Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. If you would like to see this episode along with other exclusive content, make sure you become a patron by going to our Box Number 512 podcast Patreon page where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month. The link to the page is in the show notes for the show. So make sure you go on over there if you would like to see the episode in addition to listening to it. All right, y'all. Back to the show. Hey y'all, I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And welcome to another installment of Box Number 5 So Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. Let's get started with updates. I will go first. This weekend was pretty good. I was able to go spend some time with my mom in Baltimore. This was her weekend off. So got to spend some time with her over the weekend. And we went out to dinner with my cousin, Teresa, who listens to the show. Shout out to you, Teresa. Hi, cousin Teresa. Also, I got my second vaccination on Monday. So I'm done with that for now. only real sad side effects I had was the day after on Tuesday. My body was real sore and achy and no shade. It kind of felt like how I used to feel after I used to get out of chemo, where I was tired and achy and couldn't get out of bed. But today I'm feeling much better. I've been able to move around and work. So I'm just happy to be twice vaccinated and I feel more confident about traveling and going out of town. I have a lot of um, trips planned uh, in the in the following months. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm just happy to be um, SWV, honey, sisters with the vaccinations. Yes. Um, Welcome to the click, bitch. <laughs> right. Uh, Work work is fine. I'm still on the hustle, still trying to find a job, still trying to figure out where I'm going to live in the, the last part of this year. So it's still a process. Being an attorney is just, excuse me, it's just a winding role and you just have to be open to the possibilities. I was able to meet with another trans attorney today and we were able to talk and just talk about our experiences and um they were a couple of years um they finished school a couple of years ahead of me and we were just talking about how it's just a long winding road and you don't know what you want to be doing in the next year or two but you just have to be you have to have faith and you just have to be open and you have to keep moving so that's what I am um that that's what I'm looking forward to doing of course we're recording this the day after the the verdict in the Derek Chauvin case came as guilty on all counts. So um yay for that. I hope he goes to prison for a long time. Um it was deserved in this case, but then right after the verdict, we found out about a young black woman that was murdered by police in Columbus, Ohio. So it's just like Damn, we just never get a chance to like really catch our breath and really revel in our joy because white supremacy is always taking that shit away from us. 
Um, so just, just trying to balance that and trying to create space for my peace and my sanity, but I'm still here. I'm happy to be able to record this podcast, and this is really a creative output for me. Also, before I turn it over to my sis, if you're listening now, please make sure y'all go, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, which most of y'all do, Make sure that you're rating us on Apple Podcasts and that you're writing comments on Apple Podcasts because that helps uh, that helps other people find our show on Apple Podcasts. So we want to get those ratings up so we can get the word out there so we can continue to expand our listenership and our um, base. And um, thank you all who have um, rated and wrote lovely comments so far. And now I'm going to turn it over to my sister Maya. So, so what's your seat? No tea, no tea, no tea. Just, you know, living, loving, and laughing at the bullshit. Greetings to the listeners. So the lioness this week um, has been making some moves um, on a professional level that are I will be able to reveal later. So I'm very excited about the burgeoning new opportunities that I feel like God has presented for me. Also, um, um, I have been having... Um, good conversations with my sorority sisters. So, you know, like you cross, you go across this process. And this week I really had the opportunity of having some wonderful, wonderful relationships with my new sorors. So shout out to the ladies of Kappa with the Sigma Sorority Incorporated. Um, also, I have been really, really trying to focus on like being more strategic in how I move this year. So I'm really, I'm working on my vision board. Um, I'm working on, you know, trying to work right on right and work on my daily affirmations. I bought like a special journal here and it's just this like Zodiac sign journal. I really just like that additional kind of um, astrological, metaphysical, spiritual tinge because it's an um, it's an astrological calendar, but it also has some other goodies in it. And it's just one of these like it's a um, it, it, it's a journal that helps you. It's like an affirmation journal and it helps you. Um, come up with your acknowledgements, the things you want to work on, your tasks and intentions, your desired goals. And so I'm just trying to be a little more direct in how I move this year. So we'll see, you know, I'm good for buying a teaching tool that I don't use, but um, I'm, we'll see how that works. I want to, I want to work on that. So other than that, my mental has been okay. Um, I, I, I have not been able to really watch the footage. I know I have a lot of friends that were, very excited to live tweet and to, you know, want me to kind of commentate, you know, I know you get that pull sometimes too, Brianna, as a content provider, people want to hear what you have to say on certain things. And particularly recently in these last few incidences, I have been sharing um, posts from other powerful people that I think articulate words better because at this point for me, It's not that I can't say what I want to say, but there's so much emotion tied to listening, absorbing, receiving that information. And it really, really starts to to really mess with me. So if I'm crying every day because I'm looking at this news footage every day and I'm trying to follow along and I'm hearing the disregard for human life, the excuses, the gaslighting, the systemic oppression, like I'm watching this play out in front of my face on TV. After a while, it starts fucking with my psyche and For me, I just have had to kind of take the approach of knowing what is going on, being present in the moment, but trying not to stay too in the news footage of it, because I feel like there's an amount of them trying to profit off of the salaciousness of some of our pain. Does that make sense? 
And so I have to make sure that I am very cautious about how I receive news now because it was causing a depression. And this last trial in particular, and particularly the recent incidences, including the um, teenage girl who got killed for calling the police, Every time I see that, it evokes such an emotional reaction out of me that I'm thrown into grief, so I have to protect myself. So shout out to everyone out there that's like me and we all grieving together. And yeah, that's, my, that's me for the week, girl. Thank you. So for today's episode, so a couple of episodes ago, uh, we released an episode called Dysphoria on Top of Dysphoria, where I discuss my dating experience with a, a trans man that I wanted today and we were talking, but we ended up not working things out. If you want to know what happened, you can go back and listen to said episode. But when I put the episode out, I, I was happy we did the episode because this is my story and this is my narrative. But I was definitely concerned about how it would be perceived in the trans masculine community because I know that they're... Um, while we're generally supportive of each other, I know there can be um, tensions between our communities, and I never wanted to put the episode or tell my story in a way that was um, disrespectful or um, just dismissive of the transmasculine community and the transmasculine experience. So in response to that episode, I actually had one of our um, listeners um, personally reached out to me and we had a conversation about the episode um, and the conversation that we had was so good that it just made sense for me to um, bring him onto our platform so we can um, share this conversation with our audience and also so we can get a trans masculine perspective of you know what was, what was really going on and also what is the perspective of dealing with dysphoria from the other end of the spectrum? Because we as trans women, you know, we can articulate or we can guess, but it's always great to just bring other voices into the room that can speak to that experience so that we can have a well-rounded conversation. So now we're going to actually um, bring that person on. Mateo, are you there? I'm here. Hey, <laughs> welcome to our show, Mateo. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess to get um started, um, if you could tell our audience your name and your pronouns and what you do. Okay. Uh, so my name is Mateo Aiden James Nevels. Uh, pronouns are they them theirs. Most people who know me just call me Teo. It's simpler that way because. I have a ridiculously long name, so I just choose to be called Teo. Um, what I do, let's see, I am a sex educator. Um, I have a mental health background. I graduated from University of Michigan with a degree in clinical psychology and learning development. I also do some uh, facilitating and trainings on trauma responses and healing. Um, and I'm also a uh, ex-sex worker, so I do a lot of conversations about reproductive justice, reproductive health, sex work uh, with love and trauma and dating um, in a trans aspect or diaspora. So I do a lot of stuff. Just I would just say I'm just Teo. <laughs> For anyone who knows me, they know I just do a lot of stuff. 
Yes. So when you um, just give us like your natural reaction um, to when you heard the dysphoria on top of dysphoria episode. Well, really fast, Brianna, before we get into that, I would like to know how long have you been a listener and why do you love our podcast? <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. So I've been a listener since the day it first came out, episode one. Um, I'm always a person that just looks for podcasts to listen to. I love like Black trans podcasts. I listen to a bunch of other ones. So you know, naturally, I think I'm friends with both of y'all on Facebook. So when it popped up, I was like, let's go. Um, you know, for me, I love the podcast. I listen to it on the way to work. It usually comes out on the times when I'm driving. Um, so it gives me a nice hour or two of break from sirens and horns and traffic to kind of decompress, get a couple of laugh-ins um, and just listen to two really dope people have dope conversations. So I love it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for doing it. <laughs> we love you too. So now, Brianna, what was your question? I'm sorry, G. I just needed to get that little <laughs> that little ego so, boost. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I guess so. Just to start it off, like, what was your reaction when you heard the um, dysphoria on top of dysphoria episode? Yeah. So again, I was driving to work, and my first reaction was like, when I saw the title, I was like, huh. You know, I'm curious to see what this is. Um, and then when I started driving, I, you know, started to hear you, you know, talk about like your experience with dating a trans masculine or a trans man. My first reaction was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like a strap in uh, for impact, you know, obviously not knowing what way the conversation would go. I had good hopes for it, you know, and while listening through the podcast, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I was, you know, obviously sitting there uh, as a trans masculine person seething um, and then also just really in awe of like the way that you handled the conversation um and just I, that that's what made me reach out was like okay you know I want to make sure I reach out and say thank you for you know having the courage and using your voice in a way that was affirming to you but also you made sure to not be you know obviously disrespectful and to be kind and to hide names um and but you still told your experience the way that it showed up for you so that made me smile but originally I was like okay <laughs> all right can I ask you, what triggered that reaction? I think that's important for viewers to notate. As trans people, a lot of times when we were not, when our identities or people that represent identities are brought into spaces, we kind of get that cringe, even when it's other content providers discussing us. So what was that cringe? If you could explain what that felt, what was that about? Yeah, so, you know, that cringe came from, you know, I spend a lot of time around other trans people. I spend a lot of time other around trans femme, trans women, uh, trans men, trans masculine, non-binary folks. And we have a lot of these conversations, but typically when it's intercommunal conversations about dating, we hear a lot of stories of like things that just didn't go right. Um, we hear a lot of different stories where, you know, this person did X, Y, and Z and did all this. And then it's this arguing, this infighting conversation that happens where there isn't really a call in, there's more like a cancel. Mm -hmm. um, so when I heard that, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'm aware of that because I'm a person that, you know, I only date within community. I only date other trans women. So I've had those conversations before and I'm always like, how's it going to go? So that was, you know, my, that was the reason why I kind of had that, ooh, you know, moment. But I was still open to listening for sure because I'm like, hey, it's an experience that doesn't get talked about often and we need to have a conversation about it. Yes, thank you for answering that. What were you about to ask, Brianna? Um... So when we talked, we, I think 
when we talked prior to this episode, I believe we had a conversation about, I think I asked you, why is it, like, no, I think I asked you, like, how does dysphoria show up for trans um, masculine folks? Like, I kind of wanted to, like, probe on the other side, like, um, just how it shows up for trans masculine folks, particularly in community with other trans, with amongst trans masculine people or amongst trans men, like how does that dysphoria show up? Yeah, so I don't remember verbatim the way that I answered the question, so I'm gonna just leave with what spirit is telling me to say. Uh, first and foremost, I don't speak for all trans men <laughs> or trans masculine people. I can only speak from the experience that I have and you know the brothers and the siblings that I have around me. I'll start there. Uh, but you know, from what I've seen, dysphoria shows up in many different ways, as it does with most people. It can show up as a physical thing, it can show up as mental. But when we talk about that intercommunal connection amongst other trans people, especially within trans men or trans masculine communities, a lot of the time it becomes this physical who's on T first. Um, who got their top surgery first, who decides to get bottom surgery, um, who still has these bodily things that happen naturally with or without tea. And a lot of the times I see conversations of infighting within transmasculine people comparing their transitions to each other and saying, oh, well, you know, I had top surgery within a year or six months, you know, what are you doing? Or, you know, I don't do X, Y, and Z, so you're not a man. So we get a lot of these conversations that happen. And it just, again, like the title said, it causes dysphoria on top of the dysphoria on top of dysphoria because no one's really talking about the reason why. No one's talking about, you know, I think the last episode y'all talked about divestment. A lot of the people, a lot of trans men and trans masculine people from my experience, from where I stood, you know, go into transition looking at it like I have to be on T, I have to do this, I have to do that without really understanding what type of person are you before, during, and after that happens. So a lot of dysphoria comes up when we don't attack that mental aspect, uh, especially within dating other trans people, where it's like, now you have to deal with two types of different dysphoria um, and who triggers who and when, and how do you have that conversation call in instead of harm has been caused and now we're done, you know? So, um, you know what? Oh, I'm sorry. What were you gonna ask me? Now I remember um, how we started the la- the last conversation. You you told me how listening to the episode it made you think about a time in your transition where you were that type of trans masculine person that was like not so accept- accepting of trans women. So can you um, now you say you are definitely open to dating other trans people? Like, what was that journey like to get there? Oh, so that journey was really interesting. Um, you know, when I first started my transition, my physical transition, the only ide- ideal or ideation that I had of what masculinity looked like was looking at people like my father, who's like a soft teddy bear type of person. Thank God that that trait was passed to me. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, but <laughs> also, shout out to dad, shout out to dad <laughs> for that. Um, but then, you know, I would look at people like my brothers and my uncles, you know, who also very alpha male, very like, we're the manly man, we take care of the house. So these ideas and these societal pressures were placed on me. And then while being in situations with other cis men that were friends or colleagues or peers, while watching them date and navigate, uh, during my first year or two of transition, 
you know, I didn't really have a person that I could look to that really resembled me and who my core was because throughout my transition, I was still learning it. <laughs> like, you know, transition, transitioning is not a linear thing. It's not something that you get off at train A and end at train Z. You know, there's a one, a two, a three, and then you kind of go back. I didn't know that. So mm-hmm. when I first started my dating experience, you know, I mimicked what I saw the cis men in my you know, family and my friend circle do. You date cis women. You know, that's, that's all you do. If you're a man, you do X, Y, and Z. And if you don't do these things, you're not a man. So, you know, when I first started my transition, I think I had someone ask me, would you ever, would you ever date a trans woman? My response immediately was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, And I stuck with that idea for years, you know, without actually understanding that my relationship with cis women is what made me really uncomfortable and caused me dysphoria um, and caused me a lot of uncomfortable conversations that just didn't make me feel good. So within that dating and failing and learning and being single, um, you know, I centered myself around a lot of other trans people. And I started to, not to use the word divest, but that's the only word I can think about. Um, I started to divest myself from what masculinity and malehood looked like for me. And then I found my identity within being a non-binary trans masculine person. Yeah, um, it was it was a really interesting experience, right? So because I had friends and I had associates and peers that were other were other trans people. Um, obviously, you know, for me, I was in the ballroom scene a lot. I was around a lot of other queer trans people, met a bunch of trans women that I looked at as like sisters. I was like, these are like my sisters, my mother's type of situation. And because I'm a person that I'm like, I love women. For me, as I grew and as I started to stop thinking about the way that my transition had to look, the people that I had to date, who I had to love, I kind of was like, this, for me, this makes sense. For me, this makes sense. So I had my, you know, first, I want to say experience, but I had my first like platonic relationship with the trans woman where I was like, okay, like we're friends, like this is dope. Um, And then eventually, you know, attraction formed and then yada, 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 yada. Uh, But for me, it was something where the first time that I had a relationship with another trans person just felt natural. It felt like, okay, this is it for me. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it was, it was a natural comfortability. It was like transcending of like every piece of anything that I could think of. And while also having people in my life that told me this is wrong, right? While also having people who were like, how could you do this thing? This is almost too gay or too queer or too trans. And I started to think to myself, this is the most trans thing that I could ever do. This is the most queer thing that I could ever do is accept all of me, love all of me and take that love and transcend it past what the binary system tells me that I have to be, right? So- you know, I would like to talk a little bit more about that expectation of what transness look like because I can relate to your story as a as a as a as a woman of trans experience. I can relate to this pressure for your everything about you, including how you take your medications and how you show up in the world and who you date, all determine how you are perceived in the world. It actually matters even in community how you even received by community members. To that point. Um, when you taught, when you began to have your trans experience or have your experience, your trans amorous experience with another trans person, um, what was that, what was that like? Cause I imagine that that's also a bit of a coming out process. 
right? And so then how did your brothers in community react? How did, you know, other trans women that were your sisters or friends react? So what was that coming out process like even for your family? Like, hey, I know, you know, I'm trans, but let me throw a wrench in the plan. You know, like, <laughs> like it's a whole thing. So what was that like for you? Okay, so I'll start with the most memorable experience that I had is with my family. Um, you know, I, in my family, I'm the person that, I, I, I'm like the black sheep of the family. Like I have pretty much shocked and surprised my family with almost every part of me that me throwing a wrench in the game is nothing different. Um, but when I told them that I was dating another trans person, particularly a trans woman, it was like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, it was like uh, pure confusion, a lot of questions that were inappropriate to ask, um, a lot of conversations that I didn't feel was necessary to have at all. Uh, but confusion and you know cis people wanting to understand more of like how does this work what happens here how do you do x y and z um, a lot of questions that i was like hey does that actually even matter <laughs> uh, my parents my family was they they just kind of was like of course what else would you do like <laughs> they were just almost <laughs> like you can't surprise us any more than you already have <laughs> like, i went through the process of like okay you know i'm a lesbian and i'm not a lesbian i'm trans and I'm straight and I'm queer and it, it this whole my family went through that with me so they were like of course you you would do something else that would shock and surprise us friends wise um interesting to say the least because when I started when I started dating trans women a lot of other people were already dating trans women um the thing that shifted and changed was the way that I interact was what really became the biggest difference was like the judgment came the how could you ever do these it was just like weird conversations i think i had the conversation uh with aon and we were talking about it and i was like yeah there's a lot of trans men that like bottom shame other trans men and it doesn't make sense to me um so a lot of those conversations came up too of just oh why not why transition if you're going to do x y and z with x with this person why even do this and i'm like well obviously gender and sexuality are two different things people get pleasure from different ways and who cares you know i'm not going to yuck your yum so don't yuck mine it was kind of mm -hmm. it was just a mixture of, and it's still a mixture of different things you know i think gender and sexuality and the way that we derive love is fluid always but we get a lot of questions as to why we love this way it doesn't make sense to me so Moving from your experience of you um, accepting your um, evolution um, and taking it back to the the trans masculine community, are so when you so how are you how are you using your story to challenge like toxic masculinity and like gender dysphoria? Um, within your circles and like are is it are, are you ex finding acceptance are you finding people pushing you away like what like what's been your experience especially being somebody that um that approaches their trans masculinity in a way that um is not normal to even other trans masculine folks uh, i'm still learning that every day <laughs> yeah i'm still learning that every day I'm in my friend circle. I am the person that will call you out when you're doing something that doesn't feel good to me. 
I'm also a person that doesn't like a lot of confrontation, especially with masculine folks. So I just tend to not. Um, but in my friend circle, there's a there's maybe one or two other non-binary trans masculine people. And then my closest friend is like probably the most binary trans masculine person I have ever met. Um, and this is my best friend. So I have a lot of conversations with him where I challenge him a lot, you know, on his thinking. He's older than me. And, you know, I always say like, you're older than me. So you're not trying to learn anything. But, you know, I challenge, I challenge the people around me every day. I make sure that people use my pronouns consistently. Um, for me, I don't allow, if people mess up, it's okay. I get it. But I challenge, especially other trans people every single day, like, listen, we can't continue to go down this path where it's just like, oh, well, you look like this, so I'm going to call you that. Ask people their pronouns. Be honest and be upfront and be transparent about yours. And I don't know, like, it's, it's something that I literally learn every single day. I, I, it, I get met with acceptance for it. And a lot of the other times I get met with a lot of challenge, like you're being too difficult. Um, you're asking for too much of us. Why, why do you have to make things so difficult? Why can't you just be one of us? Why can't you just be a trans man? And for me, I answer that question very simply. Why can't I just be me? You know, we're, we're all trans people. I don't ask you to live your transition the way that you do. I just accept you and love you the way that you are. Why is it that me deciding to live the way that I do is so challenging to your existence? I always use this thing, if it doesn't fuck feed or finance, you don't care. And oh, I, I tell my friends that all the time, if I'm not fucking feeding the finance of you, why do you care what I'm doing? Just respect me and let me go about my day. So yeah, that, I guess that's, to answer your question, that's kind of how I do it. I challenge it head on. And then I also have the strength to say, I don't have the capacity to challenge this today and walk away and leave you where you are. <laughs> oh, I thought she, I thought she had a question. Says, well, no, because I want. Well, I do have several questions, but I wanted to first because I'm. I'm. What I guess I can ask. I'm curious to know. So, as you were listening to our podcast, we talked a lot about you know that that relationship, but we impacted it even down to um, conversations around penis conversations around organs conversations around and you hint and you hinted at some of that in your um conversation just now when you talked about the bottom shaming that happens and even with the girls there's a lot of top shaming around how we use our organs and one thing i remember that stood out clarion clear in brianna's story was the individual that she was dealing with had a real issue around the word penis had a real issue around the idea of touching a penis and I'm using penis a lot on purpose because I feel like we have to destigmatize that in community as well. And so what are your thoughts or what did you hear in that story? Could you relate at all to that particular character's um, angst about that word? And, and if not, could and if not, even if you don't, could you explain what that could be rooted in as a trans masculine individual? Like, what is that rooted in? Ooh. I'll get canceled for this one. Um, so I don't have an issue with someone saying penis. I could care less. I'm, but I'm also a sex educator. <laughs> I've heard everything. That part. That part, yeah. And I'm also really open um, about sex. I feel like if people have more conversations about sex and sexuality, people will just have better sex. Um, I just believe that having conversations are important. I, I couldn't relate with like the uncomfortability in it for me. 
I, even in like my days, maybe six, six years ago, when I first started my transition, that conversation, that words still never made me uncomfortable. It was like, yeah, okay, it's a penis. Like, <laughs> it's okay. Um, I, well, if you can't relate to it yourself, I know that you've been around that and you've experienced that, that idea around other individuals. Cause I have as well, but I can only, I, I can only speak from an observer's point of view as an insider in that culture of, of trans masculine identity, being a trans man yourself, what, where does that come from? I, Cause I don't want to make the assumption and we gave our theories in the podcast, but I would love to hear what you think. I did hear the theory of, uh, of penis envy. And I do know that some trans men do have that. Um, I don't know any, but I do know that some do. Um, you know, I think honestly, when it comes down to the uncomfortability of language, it, for me, it, it comes down to a lot of people just don't have those conversations. You know, a lot of people don't get down to the nitty gritty of body parts, you know, when it comes down to like scientifically, anatomically having those conversations about the body parts that we have, you know, I, also in this world, no one talks about it, you know, and whenever you do hear conversations, it's like a Viagra commercial or a period commercial or something. So the knee jerk response for some people is to be uncomfortable about it. I, I can't explain why this person would have been uncomfortable with that word. I also, but actually I just thought about, I just had a thought. A lot of people think that womanhood is so strict and so stringent mm. that womanhood is tied to having a vagina. That's not true because trans women exist. Trans women that are pre-op and post-op exist, just like trans men who are pre-op and post-op exist. So I think that that person could have felt uncomfortable with being greeted head first with like, I am a woman with a penis, just like I am a person that I am a man with a vagina. I understand that. Do I call it that? No, but I can be honest and say, this is what this is. Because when I go to the doctor, I have to communicate that clearly. Um, An interesting point that you just brought up, the naming of our genitalia. Um, so you mentioned that while you are aware your organ is, you know, you call it, you know, you're aware that it's a vagina, you still call, don't call it that something different. I think a lot of us in trans community have our names for how we try to re re redefine it. But particularly in this particular situation, if I remember correctly, Brianna, and correct me if I'm wrong, this individual also um, was very not wanting to have their organs engaged and very much wanted her to only receive his strap on and to pleasure the strap on in a way that would that would that would probably please both parties i guess if that's what she was into but then he had the complete unwillingness to touch her in return so can you speak to that what is that paradigm about because we all trans here that's what was the gag for me uh <laughs> 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 I don't know. <laughs> oh wow yeah <sighs> I, I i don't know i think that goes back to the disport like i, I think yeah. it's like with the with the trans woman how like we can be touch me nots but it's just like oh don't touch it i don't want to see it i'm sure so maybe that could have been the the situation for him i don't know you know i that's i think that's 100 percent positive positive possible because for me I was 100% a trans masculine person that was like do not touch me don't do it 
um, I, it was just something that made me uncomfortable. It caused me dysphoria for me personally. I certainly got to a point years later where I was like, yeah, nah. <laughs> if, if we're gonna if we're gonna in, engage in this way, I'm gonna make sure that I get pleasure in a way, and you're gonna get pleasure in a way that's comfortable and affirming to both people. Again, it goes back to having conversations openly and honestly about sex. It goes to about language, about the way that people use language, right? If I'm gonna use um, a prosthetic or a strap-on, for me personally, I don't really care what you call it. Me, personally. I do know some of my brothers that are very strict on, hey, this is, this is my dick, this is this, this is that. I respect it all the way. Also, some people are really uncomfortable with navigating or pleasing someone else's genitalia in whatever way. It could be that they're uncomfortable with their own genitalia and they don't want to explore someone else's. It could be that dysphoria can come up because of it. I, I don't know, because like I'm also a super sexually open and free person. So I'm like, as long as it, I don't care. Like, I'm, as long as everybody wet. As long as, as, long as everybody. What is we doing? Time. Yeah, but like also it took me a long time to get there too. You know, I've been on my journey, my medical journey, I guess, since I started my transition, it's been six years. I stopped testosterone two years ago. I don't plan on getting back on it. That's just my choice. And it took me up until maybe three or four years ago to get to a point where I really owned my sexuality, where I really was like, I'm going to own my body in a way that's liberating for me, that brings me joy. And I'm going to make sure that I show up authentically in spaces where sex could be happening or conversations like that could be happening where I'm not offending anyone, I'm doing the check-ins necessary, and we're having a conversation about, does this work for you? Does that work for you? Instead of saying, oh, I just want to smash. You know, there's a lot of things that need to happen before we smash. You know, do you know pronouns? You know, are you comfortable with this language? You know, so <laughs> I just think I've, it took me years to get to that, that space in a very long time, and I'm still learning it every single day. Oh, speak, oh, speaking of smashing, <laughs> I have experienced with my own eyes watching sometimes because now that you know trans couples are more in the, more in in the thing, I've also more in the in the limelight, and we have a lot of successful examples and possibility models. I've also seen where there are trans women that will say things like, "I got to get me one." They'll say things like, I want to try it. They'll say things like, and it's very, and this is my opinion, residue of patriarchy. It gives very, oh yeah, I went to the residue. Is this the way? Yeah. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> it's very residue of patriarchy. It gives residual of having this idea that just because someone is around you, you find attractive that happened, may have a vagina that they're penetratable. And then the get you one that bothers me. But what is your thought as a trans man when you hear when you hear trans men, trans women talking about trans men in a way that is like overtly sexual, almost fetishistic? Oh, it burns me in a, in a special place. Uh, just ah, I've had it. I've had it, especially as a person that's like super open about like, no, I only date trans women and like my partner is a trans woman. Um, and it's like, I've, I've had these conversations, especially with me being open about 
uh, being a sex worker and having content online and, and all that. I've gotten messages like that. I've had people up front tell me like, oh, I want to try that. And for me, it's fetishy. Um, and it is 100% the residue of patriarchy and massage noir and a lot of different things that come up. And the problem that I have with that is that when, in my opinion, when I've had these conversations with trans women, it is shut down immediately. It's like, oh, it, it's not that, but it, you know, at, a, at, a, at its root, it is. You know, to think that because e even me, I'm open about what I do and how I do it, right? But if I'm hanging around a group of other trans people and you automatically assume my genitalia, and then after automatically assume my genitalia, you automatically assume that you can fuck. For me, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, the, no. And even if you could, you know, don't just let me have that choice. Don't just overtly say like, oh yeah, I want to try when I get, want to get me one because that's what cis people do to us. And we don't want cis people to do that. So why would we do it to each other and cause more harm? Are you listening, ladies? For our lady, because we are we are grown Black trans women talk here at box number 512. And I feel like we have a, a fellow on today, a man that is speaking his truth as a trans man on how we can objectify them and what that feels like. And I really want us to pay special attention to what he just said, because it is very powerful that we not even inadvertently carry the, 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 the residue from an experience where we were taught to look at certain bodies in certain ways. Now see whether we, and this is something that I, I think is controversial to discuss because a lot of women don't, a lot of trans women want to divorce themselves and trans men also want to divorce themselves from their former life. But I believe that we all have a residue that comes from having a lived experience where you've been socialized a certain way. And whether you took all of that and, and accepted that as a part of your being, that has nothing to do with it. It still was around you. So I had the experience of being a trans woman that was an athlete, which put me in male locker rooms, spaces where men talked about women in a way that gave me an impression on how I saw the world, right? Now, as a woman, as someone who knew from a young age that I was trans, I knew that I could not connect to that. I didn't, I couldn't relate to the way that they were discussing women, but I still had that messaging around me. I still had a father that gave me messaging on how to pick up girls, gave me messaging on how to maneuver. So with, with that tool, with, with knowing all of that, I believe that a part of my experience as a woman was learning and unlearning even how I judged myself based on what I heard these men talk about women. I think that same experience is, happens for trans men as well. And for anyone that has, has decided to live outside of the expectations, you oftentimes have this, this lived experience where you have been almost an observer and sometimes even a participant in an experience that you now on the other side are looking at it from a different point of view. And I think it is imperative that we have this conversation. So thank you so much for sharing that. For our listeners out there, we have to remember that we do carry a residue, whether you intend to or not, but it's the way the world is. It's how our early childhood formative experiences affect our psyche. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, can I add something really quick too? Yes, of course. Uh, just to like bring it full circle, you might hear my dog crying. I don't know why, but anywho. Um, so to talk about like the socialization, right? 
Um, for me, you know, I can talk about my past life. I still, it's still a part of me. It's still a part of my life and my upbringing and my understanding of my full self. I was socialized to accept that type of attention. Well, at least they're attracted to you. At least they want you. That must mean that you're desirable. So a lot of the times, even within my knowingness now, I still accept a lot of that information, right? And if people are fetishizing me, I'm like, oh, you must be real cunt today, right? I still kind of feel it and I still kind of live for it, but there's also an uncomfortability there too, because I know that that's not how people should be treated. And then a lot of the times we just accept that type of harm being caused because it's like, okay, well, this person's attracted to me or they want me. So therefore I must be living the standard of something. And I still deal with that on a daily basis too while also understanding that I transitioned into a place of privilege and transitioning into a place of privilege and also learning from others, from cis men of how to treat women. I've also been a participant in that same system. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, I've, I've also been a participant of like, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm get that. And then I catch myself like, oh, wait a minute, that is, that's disgusting. But I've been an active participant in that same exact system too. So it's about understanding when you're participating and also understanding when you're being harmed by that exact same system, which is why a lot of the conversations that I have are surrounded around, hey, y'all, we're not cis. I'm not cis. I don't want to be cis. I don't want it. I'm good. Don't want it. Never wanted it. Never been a part of it. This is the reality. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> it, and it's not going to happen, right? Because I believe that all trans people, no matter what stage you are, whether you started, ended, started again, never, it doesn't matter to me. You are a divine being. We transcend that other stuff, right? So when I come into spaces, I can understand, hey, I've been a part of this system that's been trash, that is rooted in patriarchy, which is rooted in white supremacy, which is rooted in all of these different things. I can understand that I've been an active participant but I know how to step back and say, I won't participate anymore. Mm. And all, and yeah. It's not about judging or, or necessarily, um, it's not about judging or trying to come from this, like I'm on a certain level place, but it is understanding that even in transitions, the psychological part is not, it's just as important as the physical. And that there is a mental process that you must go through to unlearn some things that may have served you may have been a strategy of survival before your transition, early in your transition, but as you evolve as a human being, what you allow, who you tolerate, what you do sexually, all of these things evolve. And I feel like part of the the myth that I feel like is about trans people is that you made your choice. You made your choice as if this choice is not a journey, as if there's some decision, a box that we check, because ultimately what the society wants to do is find a way to put us back in a box. So what, so now that I know that trans people exist, let me box transness. So these people are right. And so what about the rest of these people? Can we start treating them again bad? So now we let, now that we let these people pass and that's what they're trying to do. I feel like even in the, and even in the way we're taught to see ourselves in the medical system, like there's a lot of stuff that needs to be unpacked. And I, and I'm even your decision to, and thank you for being honest enough about your brave enough to share your experience about, um, stepping off on um, tea like in our community that's like that will that 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 really triggers other people's dysphoria for whatever odd reason <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i've learned to, i've learned to stop telling people that i've been off moms for over going on two years at this point and some girls will look at you like 
<laughs> Especially the girls that got sex changes. They be like, now Miss Thing, how how are you? Or when they come up to you. So when did you have your surgery? Uh-huh. Um, I didn't have it in the but it's just like girl, why or the I fully transitioned. Oh, I'm a full woman now. It's like girl, really? <laughs> like and what is that were you not a woman before like i'm confused. Right. <laughs> were you did you go 20 years until you got the surgery being a man until you laid down girl because that's not the way i saw it you know what i mean like yeah it, i mean i'm i'm really you know and there was one point where i was really you know afraid to tell people like yeah no i'm not on t you know and and being upfront and honest about everything that happens when I'm not on T. <laughs> just being honest about it, like being emotional, being hormonal, um, estrogen being the main thing in my body now um, and understanding the effects that that happens and, you know, things that change with that, emotions, um, acne. I mean, there are there are some good perks now, to be honest with you, all right? The skin is flawless and I love it. But there are some things that have come with it that I'm like, I don't really like this, but... I think that's the beautiful thing about talking about our trans bodies and our fullness, right? For me, is saying, yeah, I'm a trans masculine person that's not on T. Do I ever plan on getting back on T? Probably not. Do I have this menstrual cycle every month? Yes. Do I hate it? Yes and no. You know, I hate it because it's inconvenient, but I love it because it's what my body does. You know, and it's something that I look at and I'm like, ah, uh, you know, this is inconvenient and annoying and I probably want chocolate and stuff I shouldn't eat now, but... I still feel good about my trans body doing this beautiful thing. So, you know, it's it's a process for sure. And, you know, it's something that, again, I struggle with. It's something that I learn to love every day. And there are days where I don't really love it that much, but I still look and I'm like, hey, it's okay. <laughs> what, what can you do? I wouldn't want it any other way. Can we, now I would love to tie this conversation into going back into interpersonal dynamic with a partner. So you said you're in a relationship currently with a trans woman, and I think that's dope. But I'm sure before you landed in this, what is we know to be a wonderful situation, I, I'm, I'm, you sure, I'm sure you dated I'm sure you've had experiences or maybe and maybe I maybe I'm wrong in assuming that. But I would want I wanted to know in your dating of trans women, what was it like? Were you well received? Do you feel like in the in dynamic with trans women with you also not being someone that or someone that made the choice to get off tea? Has that been since you've been in this relationship or so I would love to hear more about your dating experience. Oh. As someone that is a trans amorous trans man. <laughs> yeah so um you know most of my relationship with with trans women have been great you know most of them been great obviously relationships have their ups and downs and arguments and fallouts and stuff but you know it, it's never been the romantic relationships that have been the issues because if we got there you understand enough but I mean I have had conversations in romantic relationships where I get a little emotional when I'm not on tea and it's like oh it must be your hormones Oh, you must be hormonal today, you know, or like, oh, I don't know if you're coming on your period or not, but, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, just things that I'm like, oh, that's fucked up. Like, like that's really insensitive. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of the times, oh, I'm trying to, I'm pretty sure my girlfriend's like can hear me right now, but it's fine. Um, I know a lot of the times the way that my masculinity shows up is it challenges directly the binary. It is direct. Like I'm definitely the trans masculine person that will go outside with like a white beater on and some J's and some shorts. And if some Vogue music come on, I'm going to catch the beat. 
that's that's just that's just what's gonna be you know I'm the person where I'll you know get my nails done I'm the person where I'll wear dangly earrings I'll do you know all this stuff I'm you know and I think I've been in a relationship where that was received very well where they're like yes I love this and I've also been in relationships where it hasn't been received where it's been like hey I need you to show up in this way and I'm like well that doesn't really feel good to me you know especially from another trans person I think that's what about Brianna's story that was jarring for us so it's interesting to hear that you have that experience as well oh boots caboodles like I've definitely have had it where you know me the way that I show up you know I'm a I'm a I'm a feminine trans masculine person that's something that I tried to hide for so long um and I believe it wasn't until like the relationship that I'm in now where I was upfront with my partner before we even started courting or dating. I was like, listen, I'm femme. <laughs> um, I'm not like this. Let's just, oh, lay it out. Yeah. Let's, just let's just be real fair. <laughs> like I'm femme. Uh, I'm super queer. This is how I navigate this. There are going to be times where like, if I need to step up and be like, yo, what's good? I'm going to do it. But you know, I'm real femme. I'm mostly the little spoon. Like, is that okay with you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> I was like really honest and upfront with it. And my partner was like, well, I'm also the little spoon and I'm also femme. <laughs> and it was like, it was a moment where we both looked like, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do here? But you know, my, my femininity has been balanced very well. You know, my masculinity has been honored in a way that's beautiful and loving, something that I've never imagined would happen because it's always been dissected. Either my femininity was dissected as an AFAB person before I transitioned or my masculinity was dissected as a person who, who presents now as masculine. So I'm finally in a position in a relationship where I don't have to worry about that where regardless of the way my femininity or my masculinity or my androgyny or my indifference shows up, it's validated. How but long have you guys been together? We've been together for three months. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's just fine. It's just, it's interesting though, but it, it does, it takes, it takes trans people to come together and say this binary system may not work for us. <laughs> like just being like, you know, the idea of the way that, I don't want to ruffle no feathers when I say this, but the idea of the way that masculinity shows up in modern day society with black cis men is harmful and violent. And when you meet someone whose masculinity does not show up that way, it's like, oh, I don't want that type of man. But like, what if that type of man is a person who you really do want to meet? That person who's like, I'm not going to be trash. And there are times where I am not great. <laughs> and I can, you know, where there are times where I, that masculinity, that toxic masculinity shows up, you know, in platonic and romantic relationships. And I get called out severely for it. And I'm not a person. Severely. 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 I heard the severely. I didn't miss he, it. He also just said severely. Um, I get called out. <laughs> hey, listen, ah! I'll get called out severely for it, you know, and I have to sit with myself and be like, <sighs> you know, and yeah, that was toxic. Yeah, I showed up in that way and I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. So, yeah, it's been received and not received, but. I just take it with stride and I'm just like, you know what, this is what my liberation looks like as a black trans person. And if you can't take, go sit down. It's fine. I, if you don't want me, I certainly don't want you. It's okay. It is okay. It is okay. Brianna, 
So would you say at this point that you are in a state of gender euphoria? Oh yeah, yeah. Even through like the moments of small dysphoria, I'm still really happy within my gender. I'm still like the way that it shows up, 100% gender euphoria. Like there's not a day that goes by. Like I'll walk past a mirror with like some shorts. I'm like, oh, your ass is fat today. Yes. And they're like, and I feel good about it. And there are days I'm like, oh, you look a little buff. All right, work. So like, you know, I feel good about it. You know, I'm finally in a space where I'm happy because my gender is not being deconstructed every day. Um, even when society tries to do it, I'm like, child, pay it. So, I, you know, yeah, gender euphoria is 100% what I feel every single day now. Even during the times where I'm like, oh, gender, you know, I still love it. It's a journey. And I guess my, my last question will be, if, if you would have today if you would give your gender dysphoria scale from being from one to ten one being not that good and hit from ten to being one no one is you have it man it's just under control to ten how would you how would you rate your gender gender dysphoria on this particular day like from back in the day no, 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 no. Like from now, today. like sitting today, oh. like like what, where would you fall on the scale for gender dysphoria? I would say for me, I'd give it a solid three. Mm. It's, it's under control. I can manage it. But once seven days out of the month, unmanageable. <laughs> <laughs> seven days out of the month, I'm like, okay, you gotta go but other than that i mean i'd say a solid three you know there there have been times where it's been a 10 but it's been years since it's been a 10 honestly it's been when i first got off t was a 10 i was like "Uh -uh." but that was me again ripping my mind of what transition was supposed to look like for me when i got past that solid three or two i was like ah i can deal with this well I have one, I have a last, a last thought. And then I also have a final question for you. So I would like to say, first of all, thank you for being the kind of man that can hear your sisters debating something and hear where you could step in and enlighten and not get offended or, and, or also having the confidence in your own analysis to come on, on, a, on a podcast and share it with us. I think that's very dope. And um, I, I really admire your openness and your honesty and your bravery in this podcast today. You've shared a lot. And, and I feel like this was a very graceful conversation. And I think that it's a testament to you as a gentleman. So thank you very much. And um, my final question for you is, so if you could talk to the gentleman that inspired this conversation, after having the conversation with Aeon and having the conversation with us today, what would you say to him and men like him about where he is right now? Because you did as you did say you could relate to that. So as someone who has been there, what would you say to that fella, that young man? Oh, wow. Actually, he was old. I think 
I think he was older than Mateo, but go ahead, Mateo. I was giving him the grace of youth. That's even worse. But <laughs> <laughs> I was giving youthful grace to that, but shade. You know. Oh, but anyway, but what was your thought? I would and say. And the children shall lead them all. <laughs> child, I'm definitely, I'm young. I'm young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say take a moment to sit with yourself in that uncomfortability. Sit with yourself in the uncomfortability and be uncomfortable. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. When I say sit with yourself, it means, and again, I'm learning this too. I'm learning this too, but it means instead of dissecting someone else's gender, dissect yours. Understand what that looks like for you. If you're comfortable doing X, Y, and Z, do it to the fullest, but don't harm someone else in the process. And when harm is caused, acknowledge it and don't dig in. Because how are we going to go if we continue to dig in? That's how arguments start. We have two ears and one mouth for a reason. You need to listen more than you talk. Wow. So, shut the fuck up. That was <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I like that. I like that a lot. So before we get out of here, Teo, tell the people where they can find you. Yes. Where do we find this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful advocate and man? <laughs> ah, let's see. So um, on Facebook, you can find me at Mateo Aiden James Neville. I promise if you just type in Mateo Aiden, it will pop up. I'm the only one. It was on purpose and intentional. Um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Teo Twist. Uh, you can find me on my website, teotwist.com. It's going to be up soon. Just if you visit it, it'll say coming soon. Ver- literally coming soon. Um, you can find me on Bego, Teo Twist. If you literally, if you Google Google Teo Twist or Mateo Aiden James Nuggles, you can find me. If you want to email me, book me, have conversations, pay Black trans people first, please. Because we all need a bag. Um, you can find me at Connect. Several bags. Listen, we we love a nice bag. Um, you can find me at connect at teotwist.com. They go directly to me. Um, and you can literally book me for anything for sex education, trauma, healing. You want to talk about sex work. You want to talk about safe sex. You want to talk about love, dating, mental health. You need a therapist that ain't going to charge you a bunch without all the credentials. Hit me up. Um, or if you just want someone to talk to every now and then respectfully, then I'm here. But, you know, drop some money into cash. I have to do that, too. <laughs> Yes. So I guess I will take us out. Thank you to all of our listeners who tune into this weekly magic that we bestow upon you. We thank you for all of your love and light. Thank you to all of our listeners and all of our participants on our social media platforms. Shout out to our Facebook and YouTube followers. We appreciate you. Love, like, and subscribe. Also, we also want to give a big shout out to our patrons on Patreon. We love you. We thank you. We have got a lot of good juice cooking in the pot. That pot liquor is good. And I and for those of you able to sop it up, sop it up. This has been another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. And I am one of your co-hosts, The Lioness. I am Aeon. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. And don't forget to become a patron on the Box Number 512 Patreon page, where we have all new, exclusive content. 
And also don't forget to follow us on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. And also become a subscriber on our YouTube page. Until next time, bye. bye.